Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the Centura Gold 2021 Second Quarter Results Conference Call. During the presentation, all participants will be in a listen-only mode. Afterwards, we will conduct a question and answer session. At that time, if you have a question, please press the 1 followed by the 4 on your telephone. If at any time during the conference you need to reach an operator, please press star 0. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded Tuesday, August 10, 2021. I will now like to turn the conference over to Mr. John Pearson, Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Uh, thank you, Maria. Welcome to Sentara Gold's second quarter 2021 results conference call. Summary slides are available on Sentara Gold's website to accompany each of the speaker's remarks. Today's call is open to all members of the investment community and media in listen-only mode. Following the formal remarks, the operator will give the instructions for asking a question, and then we will open the phone lines to those questions. Please note that all figures are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise noted. Uh, Joining me on the call today is Scott Perry, President and Chief Executive Officer, Dan Desjardins, Chief Operating Officer, and Darren Millman, Chief Financial Officer. I would like to caution everyone that certain statements made today may be forward-looking statements, and as such are subject to known and unknown risks, which may cause our actual results to differ from those expressed or implied. Also, certain of these measures we will discuss today are non-GAAP measures, so please refer to our description of non-GAAP measures in our news release and MD&A issued earlier this morning. For a more detailed discussion of the material assumptions, risks, and uncertainties, please refer to our news release and MD&A, along with the unaudited financial statements and notes, and all of our other filings, which can be found on CDAR and EDGAR and on the company's website at Centeragold. Now, I'll turn the call over to Scott. Thanks, John, and uh, good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our earnings conference call. Uh, I'm just referencing our accompanying uh, slide presentation deck, and I'm just starting off on uh, slide number five. I just want to start with some of the uh, the recent uh, developments in the Kogis Republic uh, with regards to our Kumtor mine, and just some, uh, some prepared remarks that I just want to uh, uh, iterate here. So look, it's been nearly three months since the Kyrgyz Republic took control of the Kumtor mine, and I would like to give an update on where things stand with regards to the company. Uh, we here at Sintera are very saddened for what our employees and friends who worked at Kumtor are going through. Our fourth and best, wish, best wishes go out to all those that were so closely affected by what the Kyrgyz government has done. It's important to note a key takeaway from the call today and our results is it's important to note that Sintera remains financially strong with solid performance and a healthy outlook at our other operations and businesses. These comprise the Mount Milligan Gold and Copper Mine, the Oxert Gold Mine, and our Molybdenum Business Unit. As illustrated in our Q2 results, our cash position at the end of June was up by almost $60 million US quarter on quarter and currently represents some $883 million. This, this represents total liquidity of almost $1.3 billion US. We remain on track to achieve our 2021 production and cost guidance at both the Mount Milligan and Oxford mines. Regarding the situation at Kumtor, it remains largely unchanged since we updated you after the Kyrgyz government seized the mine in mid-May, using unsubstantiated environmental, tax and safety claims to appoint a so-called external manager to run the operation. Sadly, the government's unjustified actions have put thousands of well-paying jobs for Kyrgyz nationals and the businesses of hundreds of Kyrgyz suppliers at risk. The government's behaviour has also threatened the future of foreign investment in the country. As you know, global investors want certainty. They want to know that a government will respect signed agreements and not change the rules without warning. 
So that is the state of play. As we've said all along, we prefer to engage in a constructive dialogue with the Kyrgyz authorities to resolve this dispute, as we have done in the past. But so long as the Kyrgyz authorities refuse to engage, we will continue to pursue legal steps to preserve the value of our assets and to protect the interests of our shareholders and our various other stakeholders. That includes binding international arbitration proceedings that we have initiated, as well as the court actions in Toronto and New York. As we said, while we continue to believe that the Kumtol mine is a valuable asset, with or without it, our company is financially strong with significant cash on hand, no meaningful debt, and a robust outlook at our continuing operations in Canada and Turkey. With using that as a segue, if I can now transition to the next slide on slide six, I just want to provide some of the key highlights from our recent reported Q2 results. So the first bullet point here, First and foremost, in terms of safety, we continue to see our company-wide WorkSafe HomeSafe leadership program paying dividends to the organization. During the quarter, a key highlight at our Oxford mine was where they achieved 1 million hours of consecutive lost time incident-free operations. All our sites are maintaining proactive uh, COVID-19 measures. And in terms of our vaccination rollout, we're seeing very good progress, whereby we have now provided second vaccine uh, second vaccines to 64% and 55% of our site employees at Mount Milligan and Oxford, respectively. Second bullet point here, one of the key notable achievements during the quarter that we're very proud of uh, with regards to our Mount Milligan team is the ongoing improvements that they're demonstrating in the mill productivity. Uh, during the quarter, we saw excellent mechanical availability and Mount Milligan actually achieved record throughput for the quarter, exceeding 60,000 tons per calendar day. This is an excellent, uh, excellent result. Uh, third bullet point here, Darren, our Chief Financial Officer, will talk about this in more detail, uh, but obviously following the seizure of the Kumtol mine, uh, you're seeing the appropriate accounting classifications in our financial results, whereby we have deconsolidated uh, Kumtol and classified this as a discontinued operation during the quarter. Uh, this resulted in a, a, a change of control uh, loss of some $926 million US. In terms of our continuing operations, in terms of the fourth bullet point here, we saw again a very good quarter of, of production. We're seeing very good productivity and very good unitary cost at our operations. Our company-wide gold output from our continuing operations was just under 70,000 ounces of gold and some 20 million pounds of uh, copper. In terms of the corresponding all and sustaining costs in the, the sixth bullet point here, you can see company-wide we had a very low competitive all and sustaining cost of some $676 per ounce. On the second last bullet point here, um, in terms of our guidance for this year, uh, we're continuing to reiterate our guidance for Mount Milligan and Oxford. And I think if you look at the uh, performance for the first half of this year, both operations are in, uh, are in excellent stead to achieve their uh, guided outlook. Uh, also, the very last bullet point, uh, as you can see, we would continue to be a financially strong company, a very profitable company. We're generating meaningful free cash flow. And you can see our guidance here for this year. We're guiding for uh, free cash flow up to $175 million from our continuing operations. Just moving on to the next slide on slide seven, um, just some other key highlights here. Uh, the fourth bullet point, you know, as I mentioned, we saw good production, good, uh, you know, good, good levels of gold output. Uh, our corresponding all sustaining cost was uh, very low, so we saw good margins. And you can see here in the fourth bullet point, our continuing operations generated just under $31 million of positive free cash flow. In terms of our treasury position, the second last bullet point, uh, we continue to have a peer-leading balance sheet. Uh, it's debt-free, and we finished the quarter with just under $883 million in cash. The last bullet point, um, you know, again, the board uh, recognizing uh, you know, the, recognizing the strong operating performance and financial performance uh, during the quarter, we've increased our quarterly dividend to Canadian seven cents per share. Just moving on to the next slide on slide eight. Just again, in terms of the company's uh, cash flow profile and, and treasury profile, uh, you can see the, uh, the chart here in the top right. It's just an illustration of our balance sheet over the last five to six years. And you can see increasingly the, uh, we've been building out our balance sheet just given the, the strong uh, free cash flow levels that we've been generating from the operations. So as I mentioned earlier, 
It's a debt-free balance sheet, and we've got some $883 million uh, in cash. Uh, referencing the chart down the bottom, particularly the, the middle chart, this is Oxer, our newest operation in Turkey. Uh, we've had a great experience uh, with Oxford in Turkey. We built this mine on time, uh, on budget. Uh, very, last year was a very successful year whereby the mine generated some $105 million in positive free cash flow. And as of today, we've, uh, we've essentially recouped uh, more than half of our investment already. Uh, here at Oxert, we're now transitioning into a, a higher grade profile. So in the back half of this year, you will see growing levels of, of gold output, and uh, that will continue into 2022 and 2023, where we're expecting meaningful increases in gold output. So suffice to say, given that uh, growing level of gold output, we're also expecting uh, a meaningful increase in terms of profitability and free cash flow at Oxert. Uh, just moving on to slide nine, just in terms of our environmental social governance profile, uh, a number of bullet points here. You know, first bullet point, as I mentioned at the outset, you know, safety is uh, obviously absolutely paramount, and we continue to pursue a zero harm environment. And we're seeing a number of milestones that are demonstrating that we're on track in that regard. The third bullet point, we had no uh, environmental incidents during the quarter, which is as it should be. And uh, second last bullet point here, we're, we're continuing. Uh, the journey in terms of advancing our, our diversity, equity and inclusion uh, initiatives, including our uh, current state assessment that was completed recently. And then the last bullet point, Sintera is a member of the World Gold Council, and the World Gold Council uh, approximately 18 months ago rolled out their responsible gold mining principles. We are a signatory to these principles, and we are currently implementing these in our operations, and we are in good stead in terms of uh, being able to attest to our full compliance with these principles uh, in, in the coming uh, 18 months. With that, uh, I now want to pass the call over to Dan Desjardins, our, our Chief Operating Officer. Dan, please. Thanks, Scott. Good morning, everyone. Uh, please move to slide 11. Sentara continues to prioritize the health, safety, and well-being of our, uh, our employees, contractors, communities, and other stakeholders as COVID-19 is still with us. We've put a great emphasis on vaccinations in the past quarter, and all of our sites have higher vaccination rates than the regions that they work. We continue to modify our COVID-19 protocols at all our locations to help prevent infection and reduce the potential spread of COVID. All of these great efforts of our people have allowed for continuous operation. For 2021, we have a number of operating highlights. In Q2, we continued to focus on improving our safety performance of the Sentara company-wide with good results. Our TRIFR for Q2 was 0 0.018, much better than our target of 0 0.41, but we still had two reportable injuries in the quarter. We have an excellent program we call WorkSafe HomeSafe, which focuses on employee behavior at work and at home, and we rolled out uh, training virtually with great success. And an excellent milestone is our Oxute mine we achieved 1 million man, uh, people hours, lost time injury free, uh, with the number now exceeding 1.5 million work hours. On the production front, we had another strong quarter at our two operating sites, producing 69,854 ounces of gold and 19.8 million pounds of copper at a all-in sustaining cost of $676 per ounce. Mount Milligan specifically produced 54,675 ounces at $486 per ounce with a copper credit of 19.8 million pounds. Oxute produced 15,179 ounces at 947. Again, overall, we have a very competitive all-in sustaining cost for the quarter of 676. Of note, the Mount Milligan Mine had in excess of 8 million cubic meters of water in the tailings pond inventory at June 30th. We actually stopped pumping water from surface earlier than planned because we had the maximum water inventory that we require. We now have access to well-understood underground water as well as additional permits for surface water to the end of 2023. We continue to work with our First Nation partners, the regulators, to permit for long-term solution of water and for our life of mine as part of our long-term water strategy. Both Mount Milligan 
and Oxsuit mines were running well, and we are well on track to achieve our 2021 production and cost guidance. Please move over to slide 12, and we'll review operational key focus. Again, safety is our highest priority, and we continue to roll out our safety programs to constantly improve our safety performance. We've embraced our WorkSafe HomeSafe program for three years now, and we are focused also on visible felt leadership and developing and rolling out our critical controls. Q2, again, had no lost time incidents, which is a great step forward. Those who follow the company can see that we have removed Kumtor from our 2021 and three-year outlook production and cost guidance. Mount Milligan continues to hit its stride and is achieving a record quarterly throughput of 5.6 million tons. Through excellent mechanical availability, we have a new process control system on our SAG, and we had great focus by the team on the ore blending for optimal throughput. The BC wildfires had minimal effect on Mount Milligan operations, Late in the quarter, there was fire damage on the rail route used by CN to transport our concentrate from the port, uh, from site to the port of Vancouver. CN has subsequently repaired the damage, and we are currently not experiencing any transportation issues, but we will continue to monitor closely. There are currently no visible forest fires in the vicinity of the mine. We don't expect an impact on 2021 production, but we may have a slight lag in our Q3 shipments to catch up on the rail disruptions. We are on track for the installation of a new stage flotation reactor to be operated by the end of the year, and all studies are showing that this will have improvements in our copper and gold recoveries. Oxoot, our newest operations, continues as planned with a major ore coming from the Keltepe pit. Please move to slide 13. We have detailed out our production cost guidance for 2021. Overall, our mid-range of guidance is near 300,000 ounces at a very competitive all-in sustaining cost of $750 to $800 per ounce. With a strong copper credit, Mount Milligan has an excellent all-in sustaining cost guidance of 530 to 580 per ounce on 180 to 200,000 ounces of gold. For Oxoot, we are guiding 90 to 100,000 ounces at an all-in sustaining cost of 730 to 780 per ounce. Again, our capital expenditures on a consolidated basis are looking to come in between 95 and 115 million for the year. Going to the next slide, 14, you can see we are looking to substantially increase our gold production at Oxoot for the next two years, moving uh, uh, to higher grade ore. Mount Milligan remains relatively steady at similar production levels over the three years. Now Darren will take us through our financial results. Thanks, Dan, and, and morning all. Um, for those following on the slide deck, I'm on slide 16. Centera recorded $202 million in revenue during the quarter. This relates to our continuing operations as defined in our financial statements. This primarily includes the Mount Milligan mine, the Oxid mine, and a molybdenum business unit. Revenue materially consists of 94 million in gold sales, 50 million in copper sales, and 46 million from our molybdenum business unit. During the quarter, the company's continuing operations, average gold price realized was $1,419 per ounce of gold and $2.92 per pound of copper. This incorporates the existing streaming arrangements over the Mount Milligan mine. In the quarter, our continued operations, we sold 66,642 ounces of gold, 51,000 ounces from the Mount Milligan mine, which is a 47% increase compared to the prior year quarter, and 15,000 gold ounces attributable to the Oxide mine. And as you recall, the Oxide mine only de declared commercial production in May 31, 2020. Prior to the actions taken by the Kyrgyz Republic government, the Kumtor mine produced and sold approximately 49,000 ounces of gold. We also sold 19.5 million pounds of copper in the quarter. The net earnings during the quarter from a continued operations was 33 million. This included the adjusting item of 10.8 million non-cash expense attributable to the reclamation liability increase due to unfavorable discount rate movement. 
the adjusted earnings from continued operations perspective was $49.9 million for the quarter, or $0.17 cents per share. Earnings attributable from an operations perspective were $42.4 million contributed from the, from the Mount Milligan mine, $16.1 million contributed from the Oxford mine, and a $14.8 million loss attributable to Molybdenum business unit. This was primarily attributable to the reclamation expense of $10.8 million mentioned earlier. The net loss, including both continued and discontinued operations, was $851 million. As noted in our disclosures, we classified the Kumto operations as discontinued operations on May 15, resulting from the actions by the Kyrgyz Republic government and continued actions thereafter. The three items to highlight within discontinued operations were 44.8 million net earnings from Kumto mine recorded up until May 15, a $926 million charge recorded on the loss of control of the Kumto mine, and a $15.3 million gain was recorded on the closeout of fuel hedges in connections with the Kumto mine. For clarity, as at 30 June, no value is recorded in the balance sheet associated with the Kumto mine. I now move to slide 17. Centera's continued operations in the quarter recorded production cost of $593 per ounce and an all-in sustaining cost of $676 per ounce. At an asset level, Mount Milligan recorded all-in sustaining cost of $486 per ounce and Oxit recorded all-in sustaining cost of $947 per ounce for the quarter. As noted in the bottom right-hand chart, Centera's continued operations year-to-date has produced 140,000 ounces of gold, so tracking well to achieve 2021 production guidance. The bottom left-hand chart notes our free cash flow year-to-date of approximately 100 million from our continued operations, with up to 175 million guided for 2021 at a gold price of $1,750. On a go-forward basis, as Dan noted, there is potential for slight delay in Mount Milligan sales. This could result in a lower level of free cash flow in Q3 compared to Q4. Now move to slide, 14, slide 18. The company ended the quarter debt-free with $883 million in cash, as referenced in the bottom right-hand chart. As disclosed in the MDA and summarised in the bottom, bottom left-hand chart, we updated our three-year gold production guidance, excluding the Kumto mine. You will note we're guiding to a 40% increase in gold output for our continued operations and a similar reduction in our cost profile, the graph noting annual guidance midpoints. As a result of our free cash flow, it will significantly increase as we move into 2022. Finally, given the cash generation of our continued operations, a closing cash position of $883 million and total liquidity of just under $1.3 billion, the Centera board declared a quarterly dividend of $0.07, cents per, uh, seven cents for the quarter, which represents a 40% increase from the prior quarter. Uh, with that, I'll, I'll pass it back to Scott. Thanks, Darren. And just to, to round out and wrap up the call, I'll just speak to uh, slide 20. So again, just in terms of some of the key bullet points here in the left, uh, first bullet point, as we heard Dan and Darren speak to, um, we are reiterating <clears throat> our gold production guidance for Mount Milligan and Oxert. Uh, you can see as illustrated here, this year we're guiding for up to 310,000 ounces. And in terms of the corresponding uh, all and sustaining costs, we're expecting to produce this gold as low as $750 per ounce. So given the uh, prevailing metal price environment and that competitive uh, all and sustaining cost profile, uh, I think that's going to make for robust margins, and I think you're seeing that there in terms of the free cash flow guidance, where we're guiding up to $175 million uh, for this year. Uh, fourth bullet point, again, it was, a, it was another strong operating quarter. We're seeing good operating momentum at our continuing operations, so again, producing some 70,000 ounces of gold at a, at a very low competitive all and sustaining cost of $676 per ounce. And then just lastly, the final bullet point, as, as Darren just spoke to, I think we really are continuing to maintain and, and grow a peer-leading balance sheet. It's, uh, it's debt-free, finished the quarter with cash of $883 million. And just given where we see our business going in terms of the free cash flow guidance for this year, 
in terms of the growing level of gold output coming from uh, Turkey next year, I, I think this balance sheet will uh, continue to grow uh, moving forward. So look, as I mentioned at the, uh, the very outset of the call and as we've disclosed in our NDNA, uh, there are a number of legal proceedings that we have commenced in connection with Kuntor, uh, both against the Kyrgyz government and, and Kyrgyz Zoltan. Uh, as we move into the question and answer portion of the call, uh, I just want to caveat that unfortunately we will be limited in our ability to provide details related to those ongoing proceedings. So, so with that caveat, um, Operator, Maria, if I can now pass it over to you to, uh, to coordinate the Q&A portion, please. Thank you. If you would like to register a question, please press the 1 followed by the 4 on your telephone. You will hear a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If your question has been answered and you would like to withdraw your registration, please press the 1 followed by the 3. Our first question comes from the line of Trevor Turnbull from Scotiabank. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Your line is open. Hi. Thank you. Um, thank you, Scott. Um, I had to maybe start with operations. Just a quick question on uh, Mount Milligan. I know that Darren was talking about the uh, long-term water plan and, and solutions up there. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that might look like or what the CapEx um, might be involved with that? I did notice that um, until that's finalized, you haven't provided any CapEx guidance, but I wondered if you could just give order of magnitude um, the description of it. Yeah, thanks, Trevor. And um, Dan, are you happy to uh, respond to that question, just in terms of some of our current evaluations that are underway? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good morning, Trevor. Um, right now, uh, we are in a very, very strong position. Uh, you know, the tailings and pumps full. Um, we're, we're drawing in uh, probably more than half of our, our required water from from underground and. Basically, those are permanent facilities now. We have a little bit of uh, connecting up uh, green power um, in terms of hydroelectric uh, permanent solutions to some of our pumps, but uh, that's going very well. We are drawing right now from two uh, very uh, local rivers within four kilometers of the mine site. That Those were temporary installations that we've been setting up each year using a contractor. And... Um, and so we've um, that has been able to satisfy our, our water needs fully. So we're we're looking at two solutions right now. One is further distance away. We're still engineering the capital cost, but uh, that'll be you know in the neighborhood of say 30 to uh, 40 million. And we also are still uh, strongly looking at very uh, near mine solutions that would be certainly less than 10 million in terms of capital. But right, right now we're sitting in a very good position and we have permits to the end of 2023 for the, the way we're set up right now. Okay, thanks, Dan. Um, I also had a quick question on Oxu. Just uh, was there any, or maybe I missed it, but was there any update on permitting for uh, the, the Gunitepe pit? Dan, so that you that yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we continue to work with the government. Uh, there is still a, a court case uh, between two of the uh, government agencies on who has control of the land. And uh, that, that should be coming to fruition here in September when uh, they, they go back into session. Um, we've adjusted our plans, but it, certainly in the near term, uh, there, there is no effect. And we also have uh, re-engineered our access to the Gunantepe pit um, in case we don't uh, get permit for the larger footprint, uh, we would be uh, we would be uh, still able to access uh, as our original feasibility plans indicated. Okay, thank you. Um, and then maybe I had a quick question on the dividends. Uh, you mentioned that you've raised the dividend um, and that the dividends are essentially waived um, for the Kyrgyzstan shares. Um, it said that they're waived to the extent that they can be attributed to KGC or Kumtor. And I guess I had a question about the language. Does that mean that there is a portion of the dividend that 
that Kirkus-Alton is eligible for that, say, is not attributable to Coomtor? Yeah, <clears throat> Trevor, it's Scott, no, um, it's our determination. I mean, as you know, dividends are paid out of retained earnings, and it's our determination that the uh, entirety of our retained earnings position has been attributable to Kumtor. So in terms of the dividend distribution during the quarter, again, the determination was that it's entirely attributable to Kumtor. So as you, as you know, um, there's a series of restrictions in place in terms of the Kogi's Olden shareholding, in terms of their ability to receive dividends, in terms of their ability to transfer shares, in terms of their ability to, uh, to vote on those shares. So they will have no entitlement to the, uh, the recently declared dividend. Okay, that's 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 helps clear it up. Um, and I guess my last point or comment is is just on your summary slide that you closed with. Uh, you make a very compelling case on on the on the continuing operations uh, in terms of their cost structures and their cash flow generation, but it doesn't really get to any per share metrics, which is is kind of where um, I I struggle. And I just wondered how you would kind of frame the investment thesis um, with respect to kind of per share metrics and per share valuation, you know, should we be thinking about your capital structure as, as intact going forward with the Kyrgyz Alton shares, or, or should we be thinking that at some point there will be, um, you know, a, a reduced share count that, that negate, that essentially uh, removes those shares from the calculus? Yeah, I mean, if you look at our free cash flow guidance for this year, um, you know, up to $175 million in cash, that's approximately, you know, $0.65 cents per share in terms of free cash flow, which, um, you know, moving forward, we expect that to grow, uh, just given the rising gold output that we're expecting from Turkey as we move into that higher grade sequence. So next year, 2022, 2023, I think you're going to see some very meaningful increases in terms of the free cash flow generated from our continuing operations, you know, assuming the current sort of prevailing uh, metal price environment. Um, obviously, in terms of our, our broader uh, share count, um, you know, there, there are some opportunities here. You know, obviously, we're open to um, you know, engaging in negotiations with the political leadership in Kyrgyzstan in terms of you know, looking to resolve the situation through constructive dialogue. And look, we're certainly open to all possibilities, which could include uh, you know, the Kogi's Olden shareholding and what that could potentially mean for a reduction in our share count. But the other thing I want to mention is, uh, you know, our balance sheet. Uh, I, I think I, I've been describing it as a, as a peer-leading balance sheet relative to our comparative peer group. Uh, we think it's going to continue to grow. And, you know, maybe there's opportunities there as well, you know, in terms of strategizing with the board around capital return initiatives, et cetera. But it's all kind of preliminary uh, right now, Trevor, but I think as a management team and, you know, speaking on behalf of the board, you know, we do recognize that we have some opportunities here which we'll continue to evaluate. Uh, obviously, during the quarter, you saw us took one, take, you know, uh, you know, one small step or, you know, a measure, a token in terms of increasing the dividend by some 40%, but uh, I think we certainly have the financial capacity to continue to evaluate uh, other potential capital return initiatives. So sorry, Trevor, that was a long answer. Um, yeah, uh, no, that uh, that's good. Um, I, I guess maybe one one last question, just with respect, you, you mentioned you mentioned potentially, you know, you remain open to speaking to the government and in ways that you may uh, be able to to talk to them about the shares. Um, are there also legal remedies? Um, and, and if so, are they, are they something that you kind of need the other legal uh, processes to take to kind of play out before you would, you would consider those? In other words, the international arbitration, uh, the case you have in Canada and so forth. Do those need to kind of conclude before you, you think about next steps uh, legally? Um, it, it's difficult for me to kind of respond to that, Trevor. As I mentioned, it's, it's hard for us to comment on the legal proceedings, but right now our, our primary focus is on the international arbitration as well as the Chapter 11 proceedings uh, down in New York. You know, they are the legal measures we're taking right now that we think best position us in terms of protecting you know, the, the rights of our shareholders and, and, and the overall value, uh, you know, on behalf of our stakeholders. Um, yeah, and in, there's there's also the case in Canada against the temporary manager. Um, kind of what is the 
what is the outcome you're looking for there in that particular case? Um, it, it's all part of our sort of legal measures, you know, looking to uh, substantiate that what's taken place here is, uh, is invalid, it's uh, without merit, and it's in direct contravention in terms of our project agreements and our investment agreements. So, no, okay, fair enough. All right, thank you, Scott. That's all I had. Thanks. The next question comes from the line of Michael Ciprico from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you, uh, guys, for taking my question. Uh, Scott, you, you just touched on it uh, a little bit, um, but I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about uh, that balance sheet and, and capital uh, allocation. And, and uh, I suppose that would be a key question, Kumtor notwithstanding. Um, as you said, it is still preliminary, uh, but, but what really drives your thinking on those fronts if we're looking at dividends, cash return, and, and uh, M&A as well, uh, I suppose? Are you seeing opportunities out there? Is it too early to think about that? Uh, can, can you give a little bit more color around how you're thinking about the balance sheet? Yeah, so, um, you know, look, one of the, we, we recognize that we have a, a significant sort of debt-free balance sheet, and, and we think that's going to continue to grow just given where the, position, where the business is positioned and just, you know, the underlying profitability that you're seeing right now. Um, you know, we, we regularly sort of, you know, strategize and del deliberate on this with the board. And, uh, you know, I think over the last sort of 18 months, you have seen us take a number of steps, you know, with regards to our dividend distributions. Uh, you know, we very quickly reinstituted our dividend program. We then increased the dividend to $0.04 cents per share. Then last year, we increased it to $0.05 cents per share. And then you saw most recently, we've now declared a dividend of $0.07 cents per share. So on that front, we have been taking some steps. Uh, obviously, you know, there's potentially other capital return uh, opportunities here. Um, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, we, we could be evaluating and thinking about our share count. But one of the challenges we have, uh, Michael, is I, I don't think we can do anything until we have resolved uh, the situation with, with Kumtor and the Kirby Zoltan shareholding. And so what I mean by that, say you're asking me about, you know, a share buyback scenario. Under that scenario, uh, if Kirby Zoltan was not participating we, we would be effectively increasing or concentrating uh, their ownership position uh, within the organization, and that brings with it a, a number of other considerations as part of the overall calculus. So I think until we have that resolved, it, it kind of restricts our ability to, uh, you know, to evaluate, evaluate uh, in earnest any kind of, uh, you know, shared buyback scenario. And on, on the M&A front, uh, I mean, you still, obviously, you, you've sold some assets, uh, you've got some other assets in, in the portfolio, and, and again, looking at that cash balance, and I, I agree it's a huge asset, have you, is it too early to think about longer term strategy? Is it still sort of dependent uh, in the timeline on, on what happens uh, in, in Kyrgyzstan? You know, I, I, I myself, um, personally, I, I like to kind of be a little bit more contrarian in terms of when we do get uh, acquisitive in terms of inorganic growth. So, for example, you know, during the time I've been with Sintero, when we were quite active in, in terms of, uh, you know, acquiring be it, you know, Mount Milligan or Kamas, um, it was, you know, it was in the low, the low phase of, of the gold price cycle. You know, gold was trading around 1250. I think that's a, a better time. In, in terms of you know maximizing the likelihood of a, of a value uh, creating sort of transaction so given where we are on the gold price gold price cycle right now it, it, I find it a little bit more difficult uh, to envision you know doing things that are going to be you know represent compelling sort of value creative opportunities at the same time I'm not I'm not ruling it out you know obviously uh, I think in terms of our go forward position here be it our balance sheet our profitability our cost profile I think we're in a fantastic position, and it's something that we can look to capitalize on. But I think just speaking more broadly in terms of where the industry is positioned, I think the industry is doing really well. The industry is quite profitable at these gold prices, and I think everyone's balance sheets have largely been repaired. So I, I, I think it's going to be difficult in terms of actionability, you know, in terms of opportunities presenting themselves. And 
that that's fine from from my perspective. You know, I, I'm I'm willing to be uh, patient, and and I think we've got a great business here moving forward. But you know, we, we recognise that that balance sheet provides us with a lot of optionality, and I think that's a a competitive position for us to be in. Okay, great, thanks. And, and maybe just one last one for, for me, uh, uh, higher level on, on the, uh, the dispute with Kyrgyzstan. You know, obviously, the situation is, is very different than it's been in the past. And this is maybe my, just my perception or, or opinion, but it does seem that, uh, you know, based on local media reports, that the government's comments are maybe more heated, uh, the rhetoric is more heated, uh, more specific commentary about uh, past agreements, denunciation, that sort of thing. Uh, absent direct contact with the government. Can, can you comment at all on, on what you're seeing in terms of their public statements, maybe relative to those past disputes? Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm seeing what you're seeing, and um, it, it, it's a lot of hyperbole, it's a lot of rhetoric, and, you know, all of it is unsubstantiated. Um, this has been the typical sort of Kyrgyz playbook, so I think you've got to take it with the appropriate, uh, you know, pinch of salt, if you will, or, or put it in that context. Um, you know, we, we don't react to it, uh, as you've seen. Um, what we're focused on is, you know, obviously trying to engage with, with the Kyrgyz leadership, and, and that's how we've always resolved these uh, disputes, is through constructive uh, dialogue. Uh, you know, if you, look at, if you look at history, eventually, uh, you know, both sides uh, eventually come to the table. But in the absence of, of, of having any, um, you know, meaningful engagement, uh, it, it forces us to take the, uh, the legal measures that, that you've seen us uh, pursuing in terms of the international arbitration and the, uh, the Chapter 11 proceedings. So uh, I think we just have to continue to uh, watch and, and see how this uh, unfolds, Mike. Okay, great. Thanks very much for the time. The next question comes from the line of Anita Sony from CIBC World Markets. Your line is open. Everyone, thanks for taking my call. Um, so I'm not really going to ask anything about Kumtor uh, uh, because I think that's probably been uh, um, asked to death at this point. But um, can you? Uh, I, I want to focus a little bit on operations and some of the other um, moving parts. The molybdenum business—it's now a net. You said it's a net 35 million uh, cash draw this year. Is that going to continue going forward in your in your view when you look at 2022-2023? Have you um, um, think that that's um, an ongoing situation, or should that um, only be a one-time kind of 2021 forecast? Yeah, thanks, Anita. Um, Darren, do you want to respond to that? And in your response, Darren, just make sure you point out that it's uh, you know a build-up in inventory that will be monetized in, in due course. But over to you, Darren. Hi, Nita. Yeah, it's it's basically driven by, as you know, the molybdenum price has, has dramatically increased. I think it's up to around $18 a pound. When we put out guidance for 2021, the start of the year, I think we're using around $12 a pound. So it's per- predominantly driven by a working capital increase, call it 80 to 90% of that. Um, okay. We don't, unless the molybdenum prices continue to spike up again into 2022-2023, then you'll see potentially uh, an additional build-up um, of, of all the need for additional cash into the business. But it's primarily just driven by the molybdenum price increase, not, nothing more. So if it's if it's currently flat, obviously we'd like to recoup some of that 30 million um, approximate um, in, uh, uh, cash inflow into the business. Um, but that's kind of the real driver behind it. Okay. And then secondly, Darren, um, Mount Milligan's depreciation uh, increase. Can you just um, walk me through uh, why it increased for this year? Um, I just want to reflect. um, When we issued the Mount Milligan uh, new life of mine, I think back in 2020, um, you know, we obviously reduced the mine life. So, you know, that was the driver of the, um, you know, shorter mine life, which needs to need to re- increase our depreciation, you know, period on period. So I'll have to look, dive in a little bit deeper, but at the top of my head, that would be the driver. And obviously we've had a higher throughput, higher production coming in during the quarter. So, you know, obviously that'll be attached to that that piece but once again we we could dive in a bit further and and get back to you as well if you like yeah that would be helpful i think what you're describing would um drive uh would not would not be doing the movement that you're you're talking about it's going up again um this quarter or so 
for this year. So um, anyway, I just wanted to get around to, to understand, you know, what, what the main drivers there were. And then uh, on corporate administration, I think there was an increase there. Um, is that a, is that a um, you know, 15 million bucks? Is that more along the lines of all the, you know, legal um, things that you're dealing with? And perhaps on a long run rate, we should be more along the lines of the original number of 35 to 40 million or even less now that you're not necessarily um, worrying about the Kumtar mine? Yes. Okay. And then lastly, just on operations for, for Oxsuit, um, the Kelatepe pit, I guess the phase three, four, and five are largely, uh, the stripping there is largely complete. Um, is that, uh, should we expect higher grades more along the line of reserve grades going into the back half of the year, or will that be more uh, next year? And Dan, do you want to speak to that, please? Yes, yes, certainly. And you are correct. Uh, we are now starting to already experience higher grades, and we plan to carry that forward to uh, really over the next uh, two and a half years. Okay. And I guess one last question on Mount Milligan. It seems like you're running a little higher than the top end of your guidance range, particularly on gold. Um, is there something that we should be thinking about in the second half of the year in terms of um, throughput uh, ramifications or grade ramifications that would bring it more to the to the to the midpoint or or within the guidance range, or do you continue to expect some outperformance? Dan, do you want to speak to this? I, I certainly can. We uh, we are having excellent throughput, and um, that that is is continuing uh, into the third quarter, which is 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 great. Uh, we are we are um, focused uh, as well on on both gold and and copper, but uh, we we have gone through some fairly high grade uh, gold sections of our of our pit, so we're we're still confident on guidance. We're also seeing excellent recovery in both copper and gold. And, um, you know, hopefully that will continue um, as we've got uh, additional process controls in our plant. So we're, we're still feeling very strong on, on guidance there. Okay, thank you. That's it for my questions. Our last question comes from the line of Mike Jelanin from Bank of America. Your line is open. Oh, morning, Scott. Uh, yeah, just uh, following on the comment about uh, uh, better grades of Mount Milligan earlier this year, uh, I, I can't remember who said it, Scott, but uh, it, was, it was pending uh, new life of wine studies at both Mount Milligan and Oxford in October, November. I didn't say anything this time about those. Is that still the plan uh, for those to be released or completed? Yeah, hi, hi, Mike. So, yeah, Dan and his engineering technical services team, um, they're doing a number of evaluations in terms of what we're seeing in terms of conceptual sort of life mine opportunities at Mount Milligan as well as Oxford. Um, that work is, is well underway. Um, but in terms of committing to a timeline, um, you know, we haven't made that commitment in terms of our public disclosure. Um, it, it's potentially an opportunity for us in terms of our typical year-end reserves and resources. And it'll really come down to, you know, whether or not, you know, what is the materiality in terms of what we're seeing. If it's something material, then obviously we'd have to disclose it. If it's not material, then, um, you know, it may be something that we don't disclose. So that's something that we continue to evaluate, and we'll just have to see how that unfolds here over the course of this year. Okay, well, thanks. And one one last question, Scott. I guess, uh, uh, you know, if you put Kumtar to the side, uh, obviously you've got a great balance sheet, great free cash flow, but... The gold world is awash with three, four hundred thousand ounce gold producers, and uh, you're, the, I could go to the Denver Gold Forum. I'd be tripping all over them on the, in the atrium or the bar. Just wondering, uh, how does uh, oh, well, the returns obviously is one way, but how how does Sentara distinguish itself among all these companies now? Well, look, you know, you know, speaking, talking to my own book, you know, obviously I would put forward that what differentiate, differentiates uh, Sentara, what distinguishes Sentara, you know, obviously the peer leading cash position, but I, I think also we've got a, you know, pretty much a peer leading uh, cost profile. You know, if you look at our guidance uh, for this year, or you look at the results in Q2, I mean, sub $700 per ounce, that, that really is a lower cost quartile. So I think that distinguishes us, but then also uh, we've got some natural uh, organic growth taking place here as we move forward over the next uh, two and a half years, and that's particularly in Turkey, where, you know, as Dan mentioned earlier, we are getting into a high-grade sequence. Uh, we're expecting our gold production levels at Oxford to more than double 
2022-2023 relative to, to this year. And so that's obviously going to make for growing free cash flow and growing profitability. Um, I think as we spoke to, you know, we've been doing some things in terms of capital return initiatives or shareholder friendly initiatives. There's been some meaningful increases in our dividend distributions. Um, is there opportunity to do more? That that's something we have to, uh, you know, continue to evaluate uh, with the board. But I think some of those attributes I just put forward, Mike, I, I really do think that that distinguishes uh, Centera in, in a favourable manner. And then obviously underpinning all of this would be, you know, the valuation. And does that represent a uh, an interesting, uh, you know, investment proposition? So I, I think that's how I'd respond, Mike. Okay. Well, okay. Well, thank you for that, and uh, good luck. Thanks, Mike. There are no further questions on the lines. Uh, with that, uh, I'd like to thank everyone for, for joining us on our call today, and uh, uh, we will uh, wrap up the call uh, right now. So thank you, everyone. Goodbye. That does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your lines. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.